You know what? We are, uh, we're in a series called The Compelling King. The Compelling King. We're answering this question. Uh, what is so great about Jesus Christ? I mean, what's the draw? Why him? And why lift his name up? That's what we're answering as we're moving through these series of weeks here, okay? We started on Easter Sunday with a great big celebration. Last week we began a process. We're going to walk Genesis to Revelation on who is Jesus Christ. Just taking some spot checks along the way of who is this king? What's so great about him? In fact, let's do it this way. Let's make sure we don't look at the Bible as just some self-help book. That we pick up when we have a need, and that otherwise, ah, we leave it aside. This is actually a story of the king of kings involved in our life. Who is he? What is he about? How is he moving? What can we learn of him? That's what we're doing, okay? In this series, The Compelling King. So last week we started with Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1 we see, in the beginning, God created. It's this simple. God said it. It was, and it was very good. That's the summary of last week. And by the way, we ended up there where we talked just a little bit at the end with Genesis chapter 3. Like, well, then where did all the pain come from? Uh, That came from you and me, right? Mankind making their own willful decisions, moving away from God Almighty. Yes, his sovereign hand is in play, but he chooses to work with wills in the midst of it. And the choice of sin brought pain and hurt and hardship. Now imagine you're the creator of such a place. Created to worship you, created for your glory, you the perfect king and creator over it, and it kind of runs amok. I mean, they have an opportunity and a choice at that point. God himself could say, that's it, I'm done, I quit. I'm over with that and obliterate. Or he can choose to remain in and remain about and try to restore back. That's the story of our creator king. The restoring process. And that's what we're watching happen as we move through the scriptures, okay? Just to get started, a little bit of a story. Why not start with Compassion Day? We saw that up on the slide a little earlier. So uh, yesterday, we had a bunch of willing hearts. We had a bunch of, of great spirit as, as people rallied together. I mean, the energy in the room was high as we gathered together here between 8 and 8.30 to get ready to launch out. And it was exciting to see people kind of getting the buzz. And then putting on the green shirt that says Compassion Day, right? Like purpose statement. This is where we're at it. This is why we're here. This is what we're doing. And, and then went out to the streets with that ministry and with that mission. And, and as they went out... Uh, A lot of people were recognized because of their t-shirts. Did you know that? In fact, our junior high group, who was over at Teen Challenge, uh, they went over there to work, and they ended up putting some potting in place and and planting some flowers and doing a bunch of other stuff around there with painting and whatnot. Teen Challenge was a great opportunity for them to serve. Afterwards, they decided, let's go out to Steak and Shake for lunch. So they're all out at lunch with their green shirts on, saying Compassion Day, and as they ate and chatted and whatever, Kevin went up to pay the bill, and uh, they said, nah, somebody else paid the bill for you already. You know, we don't know even what exactly happened, but I can tell you this. When you make it clear what you're doing, and then when you go about doing that, it makes it a lot easier to get along with that, to get up and get excited about it, right? Well, I got to tell you something. Jesus agrees with you. This is what he basically said. Yes, creation ran amok. And yes, I have a plan. Uh, Newsflash. 
I got a t-shirt. I got a, I got a bulletin. I got this billboard I'm going to put up of a sign of where I'm headed. I want you to be able to get the picture, to expect properly how I'm going to work. Check out who I am. Did you know that that's basically what the Old Testament is? As he's working with Israel, he's literally using this nation, working with this nation to show them, model for them exactly how he is going to come and restore. That's what we're going to look at today. The preparing king as he's presenting to Israel a model of what they need to be looking forward to. The preparing king. So turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 12. We got ushers coming forward. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand or get their attention. They'll get a Bible to you, okay? Exodus chapter 12. The preparing king. He's making clear his message of how he's going to be working. How he's going to continue to work in their lives. That's what we're looking at today. Now, remember, as we open up to Exodus chapter 12, Israel is in bondage. They're in Egypt, and they want out. It's not good. It's not comfortable. It's not going well. In fact, God isn't really even being honored there. God is beginning to prepare them and move them out. And we're into Exodus 12, where that's about to happen. What are the things that we're going to need to know about Jesus Christ and learn about him? What's the model he's sharing for us? And I'm going to need your help today to do this, okay? So the first point is a lamb. We have a replacement payment available. A lamb. We have a replacement payment available. So here's the deal. This whole wing over here, this whole group, I'm going to use you, like everybody in this whole area, these two sections. You've got the word lamb. You're going to have to remember this word, okay? We're going to come back to it a couple times. What's the word? All right, you got it. So the message that Jesus Christ is making, like here's the model that you need to understand. There will be a... All right, you're on. Good deal. Here we go. Let's take a look at it. Genesis 12, or Exodus 12. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. In other words, word from God. Very important. This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Start your calendar on this day. Know this. All that's taking place in your lives, this is the essential starting point. Mark it. This is going to be a very big deal. That's what God's saying to him. Get ready. The month of Nisan is going to be essential. Notice what it says after it. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. It shall be one year old. On the 10th day of the first month, Okay, so here's the 10th day right here. We're marking the point, all right? This is the 10th day. And what is he doing? Get a lamb. Oh, and get it checked because it needs to be without blemish. So present this lamb to the priest. Make sure you've got what you need. On the 10th day of the month, get a lamb. You're like, why do you keep making a big deal out of it? Hang on. We're going to explain it in just a second, okay? On the 10th day of the month, you're going to need to present a lamb that is found. Yes, that's acceptable. Okay, got it? Then it says right after it, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. 
Then when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. And maybe another way to say that is after the evening. Okay, so it's actually starting to tick into the 15th day. After the 14th evening, gets into the 15th day. So now we have that 14th, 15th thing going on right here. The 15th, okay, as we get into the next day. So the 10th, presenting the lamb. And the 15th is the sacrificing of that lamb. In Nisan, what became the Passover, as God was working with Israel to get them out of Egypt, the great exodus, okay? Okay, now let's flash forward. We're going to go forward hundreds of years to the time of Christ. And on the 10th day of Nisan, Jesus Christ is coming in on the colt, the triumphal entry. The lamb being presented as without blemish and effective for the needed use. Do you see the modeling going on? Can you see the t-shirt or the billboard he put on him as he said, you need to understand this. This is the way it's going to work. And so while he's talking about the exodus, while he's what he's really doing is he's saying, I'm modeling for you the greatest hope your life will ever see. Check this out. So on the 10th day, the triumphal entry, what we would call Palm Sunday. And on the 15th, the lamb was sacrificed. The very lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the one who was without blemish. He knew no sin. No sin was found in him. That's the perfect lamb labeled on the 10th, sacrificed on the 15th. Our almighty savior modeling for us everything that he has planned. The question, why does God actually work with this whole sacrifice system? I mean, really, let's deal with that for a moment. I don't get it. I mean, he's God. Why doesn't he just say, and no requirement there? Why not just wipe it out? Answer. Because God is holy and righteous and just and loving and merciful. And all too often, I got to be honest with you, the American version of God is, let's just think about the loving and the gracious and the merciful. Uh, Let's forget about this righteous and holy thing. I don't really like those words. Well, some kind of harsh, you know, but that's who God is. And his solution is absolutely no compromise to his character. Yes to the justice. Yes to the love and the mercy. That's our God. So why have this? Because he's literally saying this. I want you to understand that in my justice, there must be payment. And for our walking away, for each of us going our own way and sinning, however we do, we must understand this. God demands payment. Newsflash, though. He allows substitutionary payment. Do you see what's going on? He's like, just so you know, it's going to be about substituting what you owe. That's going to be the model. Find the lamb on the 10th. Get it approved. Lamb actually sacrificed on the 15th for you. Substitutionary replacement. God not compromising his righteousness and his justice, but God demanding a payment nonetheless. God's first statement on the billboard, his first announcement of how he's modeling what's coming forward is that he is demanding that there will be a... All right, that was a little slow on the uptake. He's demanding that there will be a... All right, keep it up, right? We got to keep this considered. There is a lamb. Here's my challenge to you. Have you found him to be your lamb? Have you found him to be the one who is without blemish and able to replace what you owe? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior?
the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, our Almighty. It's the first piece, the Lamb. The second piece, a covering and a commitment. A covering and a commitment. The Lamb's blood allows God's justice to pass over. That's the covering. Live in in purity. That's the commitment. So the covering. The Lamb's blood allows God's justice to pass over. And the commitment, live in purity. This is all within Exodus 12. It's amazing how God is modeling what his plan is for our walk today. Check it out. He says in verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they can, in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. Take the lamb, take the shed blood, put it on the doorposts and the lintel, and then eat the lamb. That's the goal. Notice what he's not saying. Hey, just get the lamb killed. Good enough. Okay, whatever, you're covered now. Don't worry about it. He's not saying that. He's saying coverage requires your involvement. Coverage is not some lamb was killed somewhere. Coverage is not Jesus Christ died on the cross. I guess we're all good. Man, is that a wrong teaching? Coverage is, yes, Jesus Christ has died on the cross. Yes, the lamb has been killed. Yes, there is blood available and it's sitting right there available. But it still needs to be applied to your doorposts, to your lintel. It's to your Space. It's to your heart. God working with you personally. You embracing his shed blood and taking it as your own. Oh, and more than that, it says, and eat the lamb. Check this out. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, this is my body broken for you. Take. Eat. Are you hearing it? He literally is saying, I'm the lamb who was selected and found without blemish. I'm the lamb who was killed and sacrificed for you. Take and eat. Come on, guys, you know the command. It's Exodus 12, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, live with me on this. You know the model. Now it's with me spiritually. That's where we're headed. I'm explaining to you how it's all being fulfilled. And back with them, he's saying, I'm explaining to you of how it's going to come down. The Lamb, Jesus Christ, and His replacement payment for you and for me. He says here, they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. And then, moving forward a couple verses, he says, in this manner you shall eat it. Seriously? He's going to tell us how to chew? Really? Well, what's he trying to discuss here? Watch the how. What is he saying? He says, with your belt fastened, That does not mean keep your pants on. With your belt fastened, that means get ready to run. It says your sandals on your feet, like be ready to leave at any moment. And with your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. That's how you need to eat, with expectation. Remember, these are the people that are in basically bondage, prison. They're in Egypt. They're, They're underneath The ridiculous control of someone completely ungodly. And he's saying, know this. This is your time to expect with all you have that I'm coming, that I'm providing, that I'm moving with you. There is a promise coming forward. There is a hope that is happening. You will be released from this bondage. And that 
is what you are waiting for. As you take the lamb, as you participate with all of this, expect with all you've got to run out of the bondage you're in. All too often when we teach of accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, we somehow want to soft shoe it. We want to make it easy. And so we start talking about this phrase called decisionism. If I can just put it in my head, just think about it. It doesn't mean anything has to change. Well, that's the equivalent of saying here, go ahead, partake of the lamb. Just keep your sandals in the corner and your staff up against the wall and your belt's loosened up and you're not really ready to go anywhere. In fact, you're kind of enjoying this Egypt place and the bondage of it. And I'm willing to kind of celebrate that. And it's nice the blood's available over there. And it's not. See, are you hearing it? It's not an all-in commitment. It's not a, I'm ready to change. I'm reversing my direction. Where I'm at must be different. I'm now going this way. The word would be repentance. It's over. I want out. I'm heading for him with all I've got. This bondage is done. It's history. There's victory. And I'm trusting in my Savior. His shed blood has brought me way more than comfort of mind. It's changing my life. We often say it this way at Harvest. A faith that saves you, yeah, it's a faith that changes you. There will be heart change. You will be drawn along. There will be life adjust. You will have different priorities. You are running towards him with all you've got. The bondage is never something you would want to live in again. I am out of there. I'm so done with it. Praise be to God. Amen? Amen. That's what's being modeled. Isn't it beautiful how he's modeling along the way? And it's not just some little piece. It's like the whole thing. He's saying, I'm telling you, when I give you the bondage-breaking victory, get ready to run to me. Amen? May we live life that way with Christ. May we not live where we say, hey, thanks for what you did. I'm just going to wallow around in Egypt a little while. Thanks for the bondage break. I'm just hanging out for a little bit. Let's see how it goes here. Maybe I'll get fed up with it over time, but... That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about truly saying, you've got my heart, Lord. You've got my whole self. Take me. Use me. Free me. May I experience you with all I've got. Why is this happening? It says right before verse 13, at the end of verse 12 there, that God will execute judgment, that he is the Lord. Know this, judgment's coming. For sin, judgment is coming. And we serve a God who is just and righteous, and it will happen. And we have to be very careful if we start teaching of a God of no justice. Oh, man, that's not the God of the Bible. Be so careful. The God of the Bible does hold account. And we do need to put our lives in agreement with him. He literally will be, as it says here, going through the streets of Egypt, bringing judgment. Get the lamb's covering over you. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you. Get the covering, a covering and a commitment. So this section here, you got a job. Your job is to remember the phrase covering and commitment. What is the phrase? That's not bad. And your phrase is and Like, that's the first two sections of what he's modeling. Note this. We have the lamb. And the lamb is our only out. His shed blood for us. And in the midst of it, what's good with the shed blood of the lamb? It brings us. Hello. The model is happening right before us. 
This is what we get to have with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Covering and commitment. Well, what's the commitment look like? Let's go into it a little bit. Notice what it says in verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. It's actually called the Passover feast. We go down just a little bit to verse 16. It starts to describe the whole feast, the seven-day long thing. On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly. And on the seventh day, a holy assembly. Bookends. Front and back of that week, a holy assembly. A gathering. A church gathering, basically. A calling together of the called out ones. No one shall do work on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe what they're calling now the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. You know what that was? I mean, you hear about all these feasts, right? I'm telling you, sometime maybe I should just go preach all the feasts. It's unbelievable how each of them represents something. But check this out. We start on the 10th. Remember, that's when we select the lamb and he's approved as without blemish. The 15th, that's when the sacrifice is made. The next day starts the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After the sacrifice and the covering that occurs, we get this week-long celebration. And during the celebration, there's a lot going on. It starts with a church service at the beginning and the end of the week, like Sunday to Sunday. Sound familiar? Make sure you gather on a weekly basis, and there's some things that need to happen. Notice what it says in verse 19. It says, for seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. I'm pretty serious about this, guys. This is God talking. Pretty serious about this. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we must recognize that we were in a time period of purity and speed. It's about experiencing Him. It's about expediency and removing yourself from the moment. And I want you to grasp, no taking time to let the bread rise slowly. No leaven involved in this. Get it out of there. We're making it fast and we're leaving this place. It's a sign of purity. Removing the world's junk from your life. And living a pure walk with Him. Not before the sacrifice, but after. Right? It's a thank you offering to Him. It's a living to Him saying, it's unbelievable what you've done. And this week-long progress of removing the junk and purifying. Well, maybe we should just call it the sanctification process. It's life with Him. It's life with Christ. It's Him changing you. Slowly, daily, As you find what's going on. You you know what the Jews actually do during this time? They literally take different pieces of little crumbs of leaven and of bread that's been baked with leaven and they kind of hide them around the house. And it's sort of the job of the kids to go find the leaven and get it out. Right? That's our job. That's why we have small groups. You're finding the leaven and getting it out. That's why we spend time doing life on life together. May God be shaping and shepherding us. May we truly become more pure each day as we look more like Him than the day before. Amen? Like that's the process that He's talking about. No leaven is to be found in your houses. He says at the end in verse 20, You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. All too often, i got to tell you, Christianity quickly becomes the God of rules. And before we talk about blood covering and before we talk about giving our heart to him, before we talk about putting the blood on the doorpost and actually trusting in him, we start talking about this purifying thing over here and do this and do this and do this. And all of a sudden we're trying to be 
actually literally covered through our works. Uh, newsflash, that does not work. We do not get covered by our works. Works are a thank you offering back to him. Works are our moment of simply saying, Lord, how can I simply give my life to you with all you've done for me? I am yours. I am covered. I am changed for eternity. Maybe we should start right now. You've got me. That's what the works are about. It's simply a thank you offering back of celebration. We put it over into this area. We've missed it. He's setting up a perfect model of the Christian walk. The preparing king with a message for you and me that he is without blemish. That he literally is our sacrifice. And that with life in him and the shed blood of him and committing ourselves to him, there is a celebration time as we find and remove all the whatever in our lives that needs to go so that he might be glorified. The feast of unleavened bread in our lives. The sanctification process. We have an awesome opportunity to see God at work. The t-shirt that you're wearing as a Christian, it tells us that there is a... That was a little slow on the uptake, guys. That there is a... And that that lamb helps bring to us... See, these guys get the lead, right? They always know it's coming. And that there is a... A covering and a commitment. It's life with him. And the two together working together. May we never, ever lose sight of that. So here's my question. How are you doing with that covering and commitment thing? How are you doing with letting the shed blood of Jesus Christ wash over you? And trusting in that alone for your salvation. But more than that, going after the purity, the serving... The removing whatever needs to be removed so that he might be glorified. How are we doing with that? Some days are better than others and we trip and fall and then we get back up and that's all a part of it. It's a part of learning what's got a grip on our heart that we need to have let go. God, may I truly be seeking out the leaven and removing it. Help me, Lord, to be honoring you. That needs to be your prayer. And you know what? The easiest way to find it is this. What is it that where at the end of the day I keep going, oh, I so wish I hadn't done dot, 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 right? Now we've got the activity, okay? Now start describing a little bit around it. Why did I do that? Well, of course I was doing that. I was doing that because I felt dot, 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 right? Now we've got a little bit of explanation and understanding of where we're going and what we're controlling. Answer. Next step is to say, But here's the mind of Christ. You see, that's the piece we always miss, right? We like to stop it. Of course I'm doing it. So I'm justified, right? And we're not. We need to stand before him and say, but your mind is the mind I need. Wash me, cleanse me, show me, lead me, purify me. May you be honored and glorified. It's time for us to be covered. It's time for us to really commit. I guess this is the best way I could say it. Don't just know cognitively that something happened with Jesus Christ a couple thousand years ago. Know personally and experientially that the preparing king is also your providing king right there to be with you. Okay. So we have first, the first point, the first t-shirt element, the first billboard thing. Have I set it up enough? Are you ready? Okay. The first one is... And the second one is 
Okay. The third one is a promise. God does not just save us from, but he also saves us to. You hearing it? That preposition's a big deal. He does not just save us from, but he saves us to. Here we go. Verse 21. Moses called all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Notice that he says, Hey, leaders, elders, hey, leaders, get together with me here. Time for you to lead. And I don't mean lead like go tell somebody what to do. I mean lead like model it. Get out there ahead of time and do it. Lead. Lead with all you've got. I need you leading. As the elders step up to lead, they go and they select a lamb, right? The 10th day. And they've got that lamb prepared for a sacrifice, right? The 15th day. And you end up with an opportunity for God Almighty to be glorified. Notice what it says in verse 22. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Uh, P.S. None of you should go outside until the morning. Right? I love that little note. God's like, hey, just so you know, I'm telling you, there's going to be a big thing coming down. And here's what I need you to do. Yes, the lamb has been sacrificed. Yes, the blood's in a bucket. Yes, you put some hyssop in it. Only the bucket sitting in the corner. It's not good enough to say, I know that God needs the blood to be actually covered me. And I, I know that God needs me to actually make sure I've sacrificed a lamb. Well, I've got Jesus sacrifice, so I guess I'm good. That's the equivalent of the bloods in the bucket. Have I literally put my faith and trust in him? Am I actually saying, Lord, take me, change me, use me, you've got me. Where do you want me going? Then I'm going there. What do you want me doing? Then I'm doing that. That's dipping it in and beginning to put it on the doorpost and saying, you are covering me. Now you have me. I'm all in. He's saying, don't hear this and then assume, well, I'm an Israelite and I had some lamb killed. That must be good enough. It's not good enough. It must be all the way through. I put it this way. We want to make sure that we actually are trusting in a God who's going to provide for us. That we're literally leaning on him with all we've got. It's not enough to just have a lamb. It's not enough to have a lamb that's approved. It's not enough to have a lamb that was sacrificed. You must have the lamb applied. That's what it is. That's the model that's going on. Well, that doesn't sound like the easy believism I've heard in America today. Yeah, it doesn't. And it worries me deeply. Like, I want to make sure that this body understands it's the lamb applied. We need to understand that it's his shed blood on our personal doorposts. It's me trusting in him with all I've got. Not the bucket in the corner, but the bucket applied. That's what he's calling us to do. He says, take a bunch of the hyssop, dip it, and go ahead and put it out. Do not even go outside during this time. The angel of death is moving through Egypt and judgment's coming. Stay under the covering. That's where you want to be. The Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. The Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house. The pass over. God not bringing his judgment because the shed blood has become a replacement payment for you. You have a covering like never before. Now notice, that's the saved from, the judgment. Well, what's the saved to? 
He says in verse 24, you shall observe this right as a statue for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service still. He says, hey, note this. There is a promised land. There's a promise of eternity with him. There's a promise of the coming things. And while all this is a modeling physically, it mirrors what's going on spiritually. So are you ready, wing? You've got a job here now. And you got to bring it because you're a smaller section than the rest here, okay? We have a word. It's the word promise. What's the word? Promise. Bring it a little louder. What's the word? Promise. There you go. We have promise. We have hope. We have eternity with him. We're saved to something, not just from something. We have an eternity of worship and glorifying him in a way that will be ever satisfying, modeled for us way before time. As he's in Exodus and he's saying, I'm telling you this, guys, get this straight. Here's how it's going to go. The lamb will be selected. The lamb will be sacrificed. The covering will be made. There will be sanctifying process along the way. And you are belt on sandals ready, staff in hand, headed for the promised land. Amen? Like that's the Christian walk. If we don't get it today, if we can't walk out of here saying, whoo, God made it pretty clear, then we're missing it. God has sent a message and he's made it perfectly clear that we have. Okay, we'll just let it go. And that that lamb brings for us. And if we live that and if we're with him on that, in the end, we have we have promise. And that is the message that he sent for you and me. Thanks be to Jesus. Amen. That's our king. Catch that. The king who didn't say, ah, let them live in the dark. Who cares if they don't know what's going on? Not a king who said, ah, forget it. I'm not sustaining that anymore. Let them go. Not a king who said, are you kidding me? I got totally dissed on there. No to that. But a king instead who said, I will substitute. I love you with all I've got. And I'm calling you back home. And if you'll just set down, if you'll just get out of Egypt, if you'll just release from the bondage, if you'll run with me, let my blood cover you, I can be your lamb without blemish that is sacrificed for you, that is covering you now. And let's go after a purity run as we're heading to the promised land. Welcome to our preparing king. All too often when we read the Old and New Testaments, we go, pretty much don't get the God of the Old Testament sticking to the New, right? And oftentimes the reason we don't get it is because what we're not doing is we're not reading it saying, how were you preparing them? What's the message you were sending? How are you moving and motivating them to grasp you more, to understand what's coming? That's the God of the Old Testament, the same God of the New Testament, communicating, preparing, For you and for me, an unbelievable opportunity of eternal security with him. That's our great God. The response, what would be the proper response? Check this out. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. They bowed their heads and worshipped him. And then in verse 28, then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded. Worship and obedience. That's the proper response. 
If we grasp the lamb, if we grasp the covering and the commitment, if we grasp the promise, the right response to that king of kings, to that preparing king is total worship, God glorifying, honoring worship, and then absolute obedience. You've got me, Lord. Where do you want me going? Unbelievable what you've done for me. Let's get this on. That's the response. Worship. We talk about it a bunch. Let me just throw a few definitions at you. You ready? Might want to write these down. Worship. Three definitions. First one. Submit whole self to him. Worship. That's five words. Submit whole self to him. It's like not just I sang a song. You know, or, or I actually tried to pray a few adoration moments. I, I said, thank you, God, for, and you're amazing because, and so I worshiped him. Those are good moments. There's nothing wrong with that, but let's understand it's actually about the whole person in. That's what worship is. Submit whole self to him. Five words. Three words then, the second one. All for him. A little easier way to say it, right? It's all of me. It's like all for him. It's not a piece of him. I haven't put worship into a little pie chart and I decided it gets 3%, right? It's not a piece. It's the whole thing. It's whatever I'm doing all for him. Third definition. This is worship. One word. His. Are we living life that way? Are we living life where we grasp the lamb and the commitment and the covering and the promise and we're saying, I'm yours. That's proper worship. Responding to him as his. And then comes obedience. Jesus Christ honored in your life. May we respond to the compelling king that way. My request to you is this. How are you doing with worship? With the his statement. How are you doing with the it's all his statement? This is the week to begin to adjust And say, I'm hearing you preparing, King. I'm grasping your message and I'm going after you. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for all you've done for me. Let's give our lives to him with all we've got. May he be worshipped. Let's pray.